everybody, welcome to Between the Horns, Miles Simmons, DeMarco Farr. It is Wednesday, December 12th, about 11 a.m. Pacific time here in Agora Hills, California. And the Rams are now 11-2 and two after what, I think we can call that a clunker, DeMarco, 15-6 to <laughs> six to the Bears. That's, that's putting it mildly, yeah. 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 I, I mean, it's just, it was one of those games where, man, you just, everything that could go wrong seemed to have gone wrong. Uh, I guess that's the way to put it. I mean, I think the Bears just put it on them. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, that tweet that you made fun of about the Revenant kind of makes sense now, right? Uh, yeah, it does. Yeah. Um, they brought it. Uh, they were better than the Rams in pretty much every category. Yeah. Uh, so they deserve the victory. Cold weather be damned. Right. Exactly. And that was, it was a weird thing, I guess, to see uh, uh, the Rams offense shut down as it was, you know, because we really haven't seen that all year. And there, there's only really two games that I can sort of think of, at least in the regular season off the top, that have that has happened in the Sean McVay era for the Rams. And one was in Minnesota last year. Yeah. And then this one for against Chicago in, in this year that just happened. Well, why weird? I, I guess you could see it coming from Detroit. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it was it was uh, the, the offensive line was leaky. Uh, finally against a better defensive line than what you saw in Detroit, they got instant pressure. And when you're getting pressure from the nose, there's no chance of winning. There's no chance of doing much of anything, running the football, throwing the football, screening the football. I, I, I see a lot of tweets out there about why they didn't run the football. Well, go ask Khalil Mack and company. Mm-hmm. Go ask Vic Fangio. They, they would not allow the Rams to run the football. I think at one point, Gurley was, what, six carries, six yards? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, that's they're trying. They're just not getting much out of it. So uh, it is what it is. The Bears were just better on game day. Right, exactly. And you know what? Sean McVay, we know this. He's always self-critical, extremely self-critical, mm-hmm. um, especially after losses. But he was even more so in this particular game, I think. Um, just it... it you could tell everything that was bothering him. You know, he said in that post-game press conference, you know, specific to my role, mm-hmm. I feel like I let the team down and this and that and the third. And and that's all fine. But at the same time, I also kind of feel like Sean McVay didn't throw four picks. You know, mm-hmm. Sean McVay didn't get a block in the back penalty that was critical. And, you know, on a first down, Sean McVay didn't get a pair of false start penalties either. You know, the Rams have four pre-snap penalties in this game, and you just don't see that from them offensively at all no but I mean you know if you have a string of these games where you have the same block in the back same false start same whatever uh coaches get fired so they're (laughs) ultimately responsible for how their team plays so he's exactly right it is incumbent upon him to make his team better to get his team better but you know it's man in the mirror time like you said uh Sean McVay is calling plays he's the guy on the sideline you're on the field. It's up to you to make plays. Either stop them from making plays or make plays on your own. So I get where you're coming from, but you know, I, I think the blame is is going exactly where it needs to go. Uh, it starts from the top down, and you have to work on it from Monday through Friday and get ready for Sunday. Uh, if you don't prepare the way you should, you know, good teams like the Bears can make you look bad. Even bad teams can beat you if you don't prepare properly for game day. Yeah, and I think that's what the Rams are going through now. It's interesting. You, you talk about the man in the mirror thing. You know, Roby Coleman talking to him after the game where you we're, we bring up to him, okay, Sean McVay just said, you know, it starts with me. I got to look at myself, da 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 da, da. And Roby Coleman basically say, echoes it, says, okay, well, that just means that you've got to do everything you can. You have to look in the mirror and say, did I do everything that I could to prepare to be successful? Because if that's the way it, it comes down from the top, that, that it really permeates throughout the entire building. No doubt. I mean, look, when you get closer, and this is the funny thing, I remember going way back to when the Rams were, I think they were 5-0. and 
and you know they were everybody's you know uh, popular Super Bowl pick and yeah. all this. And we said it's a long way from now until the Super Bowl, and you see it. The closer you get to the playoffs, the closer you get to the NFC Championship game, the closer you get to the Super Bowl, the more it comes down to you versus that guy in front of you. Hmm. And it, it all depends on how who wants it more, who prepared better, and just who gets to their technique faster. So it doesn't really matter whose fault it is. They beat you, period, right. end of story. So the next team is preparing to beat you. The Eagles are coming in here thinking they can beat you. So, And they have a lot to play for. Uh, the, the Arizona Cardinals have a lot to play for. It's the National Football League. So and we said this, look, after kickoff, records don't matter. Mm-hmm. It only matters what you do on this play, this snap. And if they win more snaps than you, chances are you're going to lose that football game. Every time you hear coaches talk about this, each play is an entity unto itself. You know, each game is an entity, each half, each snap. What, However you want to call it, mm-hmm. it's interesting how you, you really can't just look past different things in different situations. And I don't think the Rams were looking past the Bears at all. But it's interesting how, you know, everybody's saying, oh, my gosh, well, home field advantage is almost off the table because you didn't take care of anything with the Bears. And it's like, maybe that's true. But at the same time, everything is so week to week. I I almost don't know that that matters in the first place. Well, this is when I turn my ears off. It does not matter. It doesn't care. Uh, I I don't care about that. Uh, I remember the New York Giants went in from a wild card. Mm -hmm. It can happen. So, I mean, the first first thing you want to do. For any football team is win your division. They've done that. Then you automatically qualify for the postseason. And then when you're there, let's see what happens from there. So, uh, you know, teams get better, teams get worse towards the end of the year. I, I, I bet that no one thought the Bears could do what they did versus the Rams offense. You can blame it on the cold if you want to. But, I mean, if you watch film from the last couple of weeks, you could say the Bears were ramping up for this. Mm-hmm. And the Rams were ramping down I, to I would this. agree. Yeah, so you're going to have to get better from this point. Uh, maybe the Bears played the the best that they could possibly play against the Rams. We'll see how they finish out. but And we're going to see how the Rams finish out the year. But it's just one game. Uh, all is not lost. You lick your wounds, and if I'm leading this football team, I probably won't even watch this tape. Really? What's the the point in watching it? Move on from this. It happened. It's over. Let's get ready for the Eagles. I'm not sure what you can learn from watching that. Well, I think part of it is um, something that Sean McVay brought up on Monday when he was asked by reporters, you know, what what did you see on the film? And I think McVay was maybe, maybe went as far as he has, as I've heard him at least, I feel like, in criticizing players. And so I brought up the quote, so we'll do our reading segment here where I just will read this. But he said, I think the best way to put, I would put it is a combination of, number one, like I had mentioned, some of the decisions, some of the spots that our players were put in based on the play selection by me. But then I I think also it was a rare combination that a lot of our guys that are the most accountable, most reliable, having some instances where they made some uncharacteristic mistakes, really. So it's one thing if you can try to overcome it when a lot of those occur on one play, but they seem to kind of conveniently work out where it was on different sets of plays that end up hurting your ability to get into any rhythm, develop it in continuity. So then he continues, our players, they did some things that we've got a lot of confidence in our guys. Certainly this is going to be a learning opportunity, but there were some things when you just look look at it, you say, those aren't the things that we're accustomed to seeing from our players. Certainly the Chicago Bears defense had a say in that and a large role in some of us making those decisions. But I think a large part of it too was somewhat self-inflicted. <laughs> those are things that we as coaches can look at doing a better job of, and then the players will do the same. Okay. Nice way of putting it. I mean, look, if you task your right tackle with blocking Khalil Mack and he whiffs, okay. So is that putting him in a bad position? 
I mean, that's what he's saying. Or if, yes. you're, if your respected left tackle has a couple of false starts. I mean, is that related to the sound, or is that just a mental error? Or if your center is just getting knocked backwards constantly, uh, is that McVay putting you in a bad situation, or is that just a guy winning the phone booth battle? I'd go with the latter. But what is a head coach supposed to say? He's got to keep his guys focused and ready to go. But to be honest, when you watch, I mean, I don't know if you're – if having Jared Goff drop back to seven in a situation where he has to throw the football and guys get beat up front, I don't know if that's putting guys in bad situations. That's just playing football. Mm-hmm. They're winning and you're not. Right. I, but I think it, it, I think it's both, right? I, and like I know that McVay What are you is, supposed to do if you have to throw the football? Right. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. So, right, you know, you have to put him in certain positions, especially when you're talking about it. Yes, you have to throw the football because, as you said in the open, like they're not letting you run it. You know, they're beating you up front. They're playing different fronts that, and they're staying in their base when, yeah. even though the Rams are playing 11 personnel. And that is something that I think is really interesting because I feel like over and over this year, we've heard Sean McVay, Jared Goff, a lot of offensive players say, well, they did some different things defensively. Now, most of the time, the Rams have been able to overcome that. But I guess it's just part of the thing of being the hunted, right? You're going to get teams to do different things defensively than they've shown on film so that they can stop specifically you. Well, yeah. Uh, you know, what was the the buzzword or the phrase that we used to use about this offense where it looks like it's complicated, but it's really not? Uh, the illusion of complexity. And we give the offensive line a whole lot of credit for what they have been able to do. Uh, they're very deceptive. But if you're able to draw a beat on these guys or you feel like you have guys on the other side that can win those matchups. And if you stop the run and force them to have to pick you up or block you one-on-one, they feel they have the advantage. And that's what I saw. Yeah. Um, you know, trying to, you know, watch this game or evaluate it while on the field, while it's going down. And believe me, it was cold out there. When you're just looking from a straight down the, the football point of view, watching their face masks versus yours, when the ball was snapped – they were two yards up the field or at least into you before you were. Mm-hmm. That means they're winning. There's not much you can do game plan-wise. There's not much you can do head coaching-wise to counteract that if they're just on your ass constantly play after play after play. It's up to the guys on the field to combat that. So they made more plays. Um, it's, it's, it's tough. You're going to have to swallow it. It's, it's, a, uh, it's a rare piece of steak that's going to be tough to choke down. But you're going to have to realize that on game day, the Bears were just better. This will help you prepare for the playoffs when it's a one-and-done situation. Yeah. If you're not ready to beat whoever lines up against you, you're going home. So if you can liken this to a New Orleans loss where a loss can actually help you, if you take this the right way, take this ass-whooping the right way, it could help you for the rest of the year and then going into the postseason. I, Sean McVay called it very, very humbling for him, but I think it was very, very humbling for out, excuse me, for the entire team, especially the offensive unit. We were only scoring uh, six points. Don't even t- get it in the box. That's only the, in 79 games that McVay has been a head coach or offensive coordinator, this is only the second time that his offense has not scored a touchdown. That's per ESPN stats and information. So yeah, it's, yeah, it's, it's an coach. anomaly. Yeah. Right? Great but, head coach. Yeah. Right. And, um, only good head coaches and great offensive minds can say that. Uh, but we have a long way to go. This season is not over mm-hmm. yet. Um, so if you don't rally, if you don't get better, you may see it again in the Coliseum. Philadelphia has a lot to play for, and they're playing inspired ball right now. You better match that same esprit de corps. Yes. Uh, it doesn't matter uh, how what you've done in September, October, November. It only matters what you do right now. Yes.
I love that you just threw some French in there. Oh yeah, it's an old team thing. Yeah, esprit yeah. De corps. Old old team thing I learned way back in the day on the way to winning a Lombardi. Spirit of heart. Yes. For the audience that doesn't know French. Thank you very much. Yes. Yeah. All right. Um, so we kind of talked about this, but I want to dig a little bit more into it. When you have a guy like Todd Gurley and he is leading the league in touches and carries and in rushing yards, what could they maybe have done to get him going a little bit better? Funny. I liken it to me getting here this morning. Uh, when you get on the 405 headed north, yeah. uh, no matter how much you want to get there fast, you can't. There's just nowhere to go. All five <laughs> lanes are blocked. So, I mean, I saw the same thing. He's taking carries or the six that he did take, and he's staring at at least three or four bears. You know, guys that should be blocked aren't. Uh, the free hitter's coming with, with a full head of steam, and he's got to deal with a safety that's kind of coming as a cleanup hitter. So not only is this run not really going to travel that far, it could be punishing at the end. So it's a frustrating deal for him. Uh, and, you know, I know a lot of people say, why don't you go to the screen game? Well, okay, if you go back and watch – both ends are smelling out those screens. They're yes. looking for those tackles. If they don't get the proper read or the proper steps versus the play fake you're trying to run, they're not going to buy it, and they're going to be in on your screens in a blink. So they're taking a lot of things away from you. Uh, so they're forcing you to beat them. They're forcing Jared Goff to beat them throwing the football down the field, and the Rams turn the ball over quite a few times. So that's that's only going to kill you uh, in, in big games like that. So... There's only so much you can do uh, to combat a defense that's just on everything you're trying to do. It was on the defense to pitch a shutout. Uh, the second time in a couple of weeks that a tackle eligible has hurt you, uh, yes. you played lights out for the most part. Well, you can't really say lights out when you get hit again with another tackle eligible for, for a touchdown. Uh, but there were situations where you had their quarterback sewed up in the pocket and he found a way to escape, to extend drives. Now, they didn't score that many points but they stayed on the field long enough to keep you off balance. So they didn't get much from the offense. They were led by their defense. You just frankly didn't make enough big plays on either side to win that football game. Right. Yeah. So, I mean, it's like I said, th there's a lesson in all of this. Mm -hmm. uh, and the lesson going forward is how do you respond from this? Uh, do, do you look back and say, woulda, coulda, shoulda, or do you say, well, look, never again? Right. Hopefully you get the never again Rams this Sunday. Yes, absolutely. And I think one guy that you have to hope says the never again is Jared Goff. Because over the last two weeks, I mean, we can call it like it is, man. Like Jer Jared Goff has not played well. He's really played poorly, I think, that we can say over the last two weeks. He's not even completing 50% of his passes. And I've got the numbers in front of me now. It's 48% completion rate, 387 yards, one touchdown, five interceptions, two fumbles. Sacked Oof. five times. Yards per attempt, just 5.03. Well, look, uh, he's the number one spot, and the team is going to go as he goes. So, you know, if there's something wrong, then I hope it gets fixed. Or if, if it is possible to fix him, uh, let's hope you get him fixed in a hurry. Because I think if you have a complete turnaround from that spot, that game is different. Agreed. Yeah, that game is different on Sunday night. And if you bring the same Jared Goff to the Coliseum versus Philadelphia, then you're going to put a lot on Todd. You're going to put a lot on the defense. You're going to put a lot on the special teams to dig yourself out of holes. So, you know, you can take anything as a football team, uh, especially as a defender. You can take anything. You can take a team that's going three and out that has to punt almost every single possession. What you can't take is turnovers. Right. What you can't take is giving them life constantly by throwing the ball to them. So for whatever reason, we don't know. We're not running routes. We're not throwing passes. But for whatever reason, the ball kept wound, uh, kept ending up in their hands. That cannot happen. That has to be fixed. Uh, the only people that know the truth 
or why that happened is Jared Goff and Sean McVay. So hopefully those two will figure this stuff out before Sunday. Yeah, no question. And it's it's just not what we're accustomed to seeing from him. I mean, he never had an intercept a, a day with three interceptions, let alone four. So even at his worst, you know, when we're talking about the rookie year and all that thing, all the things that happened that everybody, you know, that he especially does not like talking about. We never saw four interception day from Jared Goff. So for that to happen at this point and at this point in the season, I I don't know what's going on. And you know what? I mean, as far as we know, he's not hurt. He's not on the injury report. There's never necessary. There's never been anything that says there, there is something physically wrong with Jared Goff. So well, yeah, I do know this when you when we evaluate quarterbacks in the offseason just having fun getting ready, you know, we're we're filling time yeah. either before or after the draft, before or after minicamp, what have you. And we're talking about what makes elite quarterbacks elite. Well, I think Jared is good. I think he's on his way to elite. Um, I think he's been on a good roll. Uh, but dealing with weather is going to be something he has to get over. Uh, that will that will be a ceiling for him uh, until he crosses that barrier into elite. But the other thing that makes even the best quarterbacks average or the average quarterbacks worse is pressure. Mm-hmm. When you're getting racked around, when you when you lose confidence in protection, when you think that they're going to get to you on every single play, well, that makes you rush throws, that makes you bail on routes or bail on plays early. That's anybody in the National Football League. So when you say it's foreign to us, I guess we haven't seen it since McVay has been here, but if you just look throughout the history of the league, every quarterback looks bad when he's picking himself up after every single play. That's absolutely true, and that's the other thing about the offense right now. I think the offensive line has not been playing as we are accustomed to seeing it play over the last couple of games. You know, Jared Goff has been hit, as you said. I mean, we just mentioned it, five sacks, and five sacks are not just necessarily on the offensive line. However, I think that there are times when, I mean, you just mentioned it. Look, mm-hmm. like Rob Havenstein gets beat on that first third down by Khalil Mack. And Khalil Mack, one of the best defensive <laughs> yeah. players in the league. So those are the kinds of things that are going to happen. But at the same time, when you've got a guy that just keeps getting pressured like that, it, it does some some ways fall on the guys up front right. to make sure that that doesn't happen anymore. Well, just think of it from our perspective, from Rams fans. When Aaron Donald does something superhuman, it just gives everybody a lift. Oh, yes. Everybody. And when it happens early, you feel like, okay, we've got the best guy on the field, and that's how the Rams play. Well, Khalil Mack makes his presence known early. Mm-hmm. Well, that sends a message to the Rams. That sends a message to the rest of the defense and to the rest of the the Bears offense. Hey, look, we've got somebody they can't block early. So we can take chances here. We can feel confident doing X, Y, and Z. So, you know, and I, I wish I can say you can't put it all on the line, but – I mean, that wouldn't be truthful. I mean, when you look at the guys that got pressure and you look at the guys that did get sacks, where are they coming from? Well, a lot. And, yeah, and most, the of these, most of these guys are not considered pass rushers. Mm. I mean, most of these guys are considered, I hate to say the word, but run thugs. They sit in the middle, they clog up, and they stop the run. I mean, these guys were two, three yards up the field or swarming over the top of Jared Goff on certain plays. So, yeah, I, I wish that you can – protect the the guys that we like on the O-line a little bit better, but why? It's obvious. It was on Sunday night. Everybody saw it. That's true. Yeah, you have to be honest with it. No, I, I think that's, at this point in the season, in, in December, you have to be honest about your evaluation mm-hmm. and about how you played. Well, and I think that's why Sean McVay was saying what mm-hmm. he said, you know, to the media, that, mm-hmm. you know, these guys that we were accustomed to seeing play at extremely high levels are doing things that are uncharacteristic. I mean, like Whitworth getting two false start penalties. Like, that, that you don't see that happen. I mean, uh, Austin Blythe, who has played at an extremely high level this year, he's 
getting knocked back into the end zone. You mentioned John Sullivan too. I mean, those guys were getting knocked back. That's why that safety happened with Jared Goff in uh, in early in the third quarter. Oh, yeah, yeah. I was standing in the end zone when that happened, uh, and like I I I went to protect myself because I thought he was flying back to me, and I was like twenty five yards away. That's how fast he got in there. Yeah, I thought it was a missed block, but no. I mean, he just absolutely won up front. So. Uh, you know, look, uh, I've heard a lot. People have asked me, is this a blueprint? Uh, have you have the Bears showed the rest of the league a blueprint on how to beat the Rams? Sure. Uh, you can say, let's use the Bears scheme against the Rams. But do you have the same horses? Right. <laughs> do you have the same guys that they have? Probably not. So, I mean, and look, they're going to get better from this. The Rams are. They're going to they're gonna take this. They're going to take this loss and get better from it. So if you want to bring the same sort of approach next week, um, I, I doubt if it works. You're going to have some success, but I doubt if it works again because you don't have the same guys. And if it does, then I, I think it, it's right to start doubting a lot if you see the same game plan and the same sort of performance uh, two or three weeks in a row yeah. out of the same group of guys. That's just the way the league is. We keep saying you get paid in this league to win. Mm-hmm. Yeah, losses get you fired, period. Yes. Jimmy's and Joe's not necessarily X's and O's, right. and I think that uh, not all teams have that. Um, sort of based off the, like the game plan thing, do you think that it's time for the Rams to start using more personnel groupings than 11 personnel you on know, offense? You know, funny. Uh, I, I saw a buddy of mine that I played with, and he's coaching in college right now. He's actually on his way down to the playoffs, and we were talking about this offense, and it's out of 11 personnel Mainly. Yes. And 99% of the time. 99% of the time it's out of 11 personnel, and he scratched his head because he thinks it limits you. So I'm sitting there, I'm like, they're sitting on 11 wins, so it must work. But, you know, maybe uh, I, I don't want to, I, I wouldn't want to scrap everything I'm doing just for one loss, no matter how punishing or how bad it looked. Right. Uh, because this is the same offense that has what? netted you 22 wins uh-huh. in two seasons. Yes. So I'm not going to get too far away from it or say it's not working anymore, but I, I think it was obvious that Chicago drew a beat on what you were trying to do and took a lot of things away from you. Yes, absolutely. And that's partially because they were able to stay in their base personnel. And that one, I, and I bring this up because, you know, when you're talking about, you know, a, a blueprint to stop the Rams, I don't think everybody has the horses really to stay in their base personnel against the Rams 11 personnel because we saw, you know, when the Rams would do, uh, the Vikings, I should say, they kind of tried to do something like that when the Rams played them on Thursday night football back in week four. And then what did Jared Goff do, but take advantage of all the matchup nightmares that, that, that the offense presented, you know, mm-hmm. when you have Cooper cup on a linebacker, that, that, yeah. it doesn't work out for you very well. I, but I think this is the first time we saw that they had mismatches guys. You just couldn't block. Yes. Yes. Yeah. So, exactly. I mean, I, I think any offense can live with maybe one guy that's above being blocked, like a Khalil Mack. Mm-hmm. You can deal with one Maverick, but when you get two or three beats up front, I, I don't care who you are. Yeah. I don't care if you're the 1995 Dallas Cowboys. If you have two guys up front that just refuse to be blocked and are just disrupting everything, you're going to have a tough time moving the football. Well, look, we've always seen that. I mean, think about the 2007 Patriots that got beat by the 2007 Giants, which you just brought up. I mean, mm-hmm. wild card teams, right? Like, though, that's what they were able to do. And you can bring pressure with four or even sometimes with five, and you overwhelm guys in the backfield. That That's where that's going to, you know, mess things up. But No doubt. I, I just I, – I wonder about that with the, with the different personnel groupings because I don't necessarily see – different teams defense 
offenses, different defenses on different teams being able to stop the Rams like this, like the Bears were able to. But in some ways, because Cooper Cup is out, you don't have that guy who's as good at run blocking and being in the backfield that you used to. And I mean no disrespect to Robert Woods when I say that, or Josh Reynolds. Mm -hmm. But Cooper Cup has a special ability back there, and you don't have it anymore. I'm not sure how much he helps you on on that on Sunday. Yeah. That, yeah. Yes. I mean, look, he, he blocks, but he's not blocking. He's not pass protecting. No, I know. Yeah. yeah. I know. I, I know. I, I'm I not know. sure how much that helps. So, I mean, look, that pocket collapsed in a hurry. Yes. You know, and then when they did decide to bring pressure, uh, some of that was getting was scot free to the quarterback. Yes. So you have to dump it quick. And then they were doing the smart thing in the secondary. They were dropping back with eyes on quarterback and then getting in throwing lines and making big plays on the football. Uh, the Rams did the same thing on defense. They, they took the ball back and gave it to the offense. It's just the Rams kept giving it right back. So uh, you had to match what they were doing defensively, and they made one or two more plays than you did. Yes. Uh, so as as great as the Rams played, or if you think they played well enough to win, well, okay. I mean, I, I'm sure that's a fan thinking, but mm -hmm. you, you have to keep them out of the box in that situation. Yes. When your team isn't scoring, they can't score. Yes. And one touchdown is enough to beat you, it, even if it's on a fluke tackle eligible again. Yeah. Tackle eligible with a bunch of defensive linemen also eligible, and then who's eligible, and then that's how the, yeah. the offensive linemen I mean, look, they, they, they you have to give them a whole lot of credit. There was a whole little – the game within the game – the game, uh, the little game within the game between the head coaches with the timeouts, mm -hmm. it, they were they were on top of you. They put pressure on you. Uh, usually, the Rams you can, and I hate to say this uh, about any other professional team, but the Rams appeared to be the smarter team, the team that seemed to have something up their sleeve. Well, this time it seemed like Chicago had it. Yeah, they they were ready to play, and they matched you and pretty much everything move for move on the chessboard, and then they were beating you physically. Yes, that that comes down to an L. That yes. comes down to a win for them and a loss for you. And I think when you talk about the physicality thing, that was definitely Whew. true. Yeah. Um, and it's unfortunate. But uh, before we move on to more defense, I do want to mention Robert Woods going over 1,000 yards receiving. One one little positive thing from the offense yeah. in this particular game. But I, I thought it was cool that that happened. And, you know, that means that the Rams now have two 1,000 yards receivers for the first time since 2006. And this is also the first time that Sean McVay has had a 1,000-yard receiver in his offense in terms of Los Angeles, I should say, because we didn't have one last year, which is kind of interesting, given how good that offense was. But to have two in Cooks and in Woods, I, I think that's pretty meaningful. Oh, no doubt. Uh, tough guys. It's good for them. It's great for the resume, great for everybody's resume. Mm -hmm. um, you would like to celebrate that with a victory. Yes. It seems a little hollow right it, now. It definitely does. So maybe if we get to Sunday or get to the next Between the Horns, um, maybe we could celebrate that a little bit more. But right now, it's it, it seems like Blake Bortles. You know, it, it it really does. I mean, you know, he throws for 300 yards in the loss. Great. So what? <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, no, I hear you. Yeah. I hear you. Um, but uh, it is, it's, it, you know, it's funny. This is just because the Rams didn't even have a 700-yard receiver from 2009 to 2016. Wow. So awesome. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. All right. <laughs> anyway. Well, well, I mean, that speaks to that era. I know. That run more than this one. I know. Yeah. Yeah. That's I mean, like, how did you get through that many years without, without a thousand yard receiver? And then the 1,000 yard receiver you did have was Kenny Britt. In yeah. Then some to, people, to like their football That's cards, right. the years that they were here when it says wide receiver Rams, it needs to be deleted. Yeah. <laughs> 
<laughs> Seriously. Yeah. Let's just forget about all that. If that's the case. Yes. Um, but let's talk more about the defense because this is a unit that now has 10 takeaways in the last three games, five against Kansas city, two against Detroit, and then three mm-hmm. in this game against Chicago. It seems like at least they are ramping things up for the postseason in the right way. Yeah. I mean, look, uh, we knew that Trubitsky was going to struggle. This was his first game back coming back off injury. So he floated a few. He, you know, tips and overthrows should be the defenses. Yep. And, and they were. So, I mean, and, and that's not to take away anything they did, but, you know, you, you have to do more. <laughs> it sounds crazy. Uh, just like going back to Kansas City uh, when they played here on that Monday night game when they just, it was a scoring fest. Um if they score, you have to score more. Well, if they take the ball away, you have to take it away more. If, mm-hmm. if they keep you out of the end zone, you've definitely got to keep them out of the end zone. So, you know, you'd like to go away smiling, say the defense, the defense played well, played good, but there's some good numbers in there, but ultimately they did break. They got in the end zone, no matter how they got it there or how many takeaways that uh, the, the Rams offense gave them or field position. It does not matter. Your job is to keep them out of the end zone. And that just didn't happen. So there's some good performances. There's some things that you can walk away with and smile about. But ultimately, I mean, at the end of the day, that smile turns into a frown when you look at the win-loss. Absolutely. And that's the way the defensive players are talking in the locker room. I mean, like, it's interesting, always interesting to me to see, you know, how media people kind of react to different things, right? So when you're in the locker room and you, you're talking to a player and you're like, you had such a good game, but it's like, yeah, we lost, you know yeah. what I mean? Like nobody really wants to talk about how an individual played well when the team loses. So it's interesting. Like I always just sort of cycle through that because I don't know that, and I don't mean this as a way to attack like any of the regular beat writers because that's that's not who I'm talking about. But right. it's like those guys that show up just on game day and are like, "You had a good game today," and then like the player looks at him funny and it's like. Do you realize what the score was yeah. at the end of this game? Well, Marcus yeah. Joyner at the end of Monday night. Um, how do you how do you like this against Kansas City? Yeah. What do you think of this game? I think it was disgusting. Yes. But you got the win. It was disgusting. We gave up so many points. Right. right. I, I get it. Um, and I, look, I, I've been on teams and have watched teams like this that go through 16 straight weeks of games like that to where their defense does everything they can to keep the team in the game, and mm-hmm. ultimately they give up one play and lose. Um, but the one thing you can't do as a defense right now is point fingers. Yes. How many times this offense has bailed you out? Oh, yeah. yeah a lot. So Especially this year. Absolutely. So look, it's a team deal. Uh, no one should be happy no matter how you play. I don't care if you had nine sacks and five picks, one guy, you, you didn't play well enough as a unit to win the game. So you, you can't just say, well, it's their fault. We didn't win. No, it's everyone, everyone on the field, including the bears, they deserve the win and you deserve to take the loss. Right. And that's the, that's the attitude that was coming right. from the Los Angeles Rams after that particular game. Um, especially like you got guys like Aaron Donald saying exactly that, you know, that uh, we didn't, we didn't win the game. So I have to do more. Mm-hmm. And it's funny when you hear somebody like Donald say that, but it's also funny when you see a stat line where Donald has two tackles and one quarterback hit. And that really, it, you haven't seen Donald erased from a game much this year at all, but I don't want to say he was erased because if watching it back, there were times where he influenced and affected things. Well, yeah. They accepted the challenge up front. Yeah. I got to give them credit. Yes. Uh, they did. Um, they did bring the double team. They're not stupid. Yeah. They're not dumb. Um, they, they did bring the double to Donald and they forced other guys to make plays. And, and this, just the way the game was going uh, with takeaways and quick changes and all that sort of stuff. It, it's kind of hard to get into a flow. 
mm-hmm. as a defender. So you, it, when you have to constantly stop and start, stop and start, stop and start, uh, as a play caller and as a and as a player, especially a guy that good, you just can't really get into a rhythm of what you want to do and what that guy is doing in front of you. Right. Uh, so it winds up being a frustrating day. And then when you do you know, have them, have them in a position or you feel comfortable enough to where you can take some chances, they make plays on you. And it just takes all the wind out of your sails again. Mm-hmm. And that's, I think, just what we saw time and again from that Chicago offense versus this defense. Look, it was interesting in the early on in the game, I thought, especially where you had uh, some sort of different things from the Rams defense. You know, you're putting Sue on the outside a little bit more. And I think even in a couple plays, they kind of flipped, and this might have been in the second half, but they flipped like Donald and Fowler. We had Fowler rushing on the inside and then Donald was rushing yeah. on the outside too just trying to get Donald into more one-on-one situations yeah. you've seen like heist movies before yeah uh, oh my god what was that movie uh, called out of sight I have not seen that okay one, so it's a George Clooney movie where okay. it's a bunch of bumbling idiots and they get into the house and they actually find the safe that they're looking for and they have no idea how to crack it huh. so next thing you know they start shooting at it <laughs> you know in, a, in a, an enclosed environment I mean just a bunch of idiots right yes. but that's 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 a defensive line and a group just trying to do anything to, to crack that safe. Right. Let's flip here. Let's try this because they're taking me away here. So let's try this to get to Trubisky. But, you know, for the most part, when you did get pressure, you, you left the back door open. You left exactly. the A-gap the, the open and he slipped through. And he, you know, it, it goes from a good rush to, you know, now you're way out of position. And there's no chance to get him down before he picks up the first down. Now you're out there again. So, you know, just little things here or there can really derail a great day. If you somehow could close the door on him early in the game, you probably had three or more, uh, three or four three and outs. Yep. Which would have given you the ball back or at least given you a chance at a return. Uh, but as it stood, he picked up first downs and they won time of possession by over 10 minutes. Yeah, a lot of that, I mean, that's takeaways. A lot of that had to do with him scrambling for first downs and then running the football. Well, yeah, they ran for 194 rushing yards. So, I mean, it also, it raises the question once again, like, what's up with the Rams' run defense? Because you've seen these games and more games where they are allowing so many yards rushing. And I think when you play, when you only give up 15 points, yes, that makes it more winning football. Defensively, you only gave up 13 um, because of that safety. But at the same time, it's hard not to be concerned, I think, when you look at the rushing defense right now. No doubt. Uh, and it's, it's, it's both ways. It's traditional, you know, your grandfather's run plays that are picking up yards in the middle. And then, for the most part, these RPOs, these run pass options mm. with these, these dual threat quarterbacks are just giving the Rams hell right now, especially yeah. on the outside. There's, there's issues there. Um, it's tough for any outside guy to have to play cutback against a professional running back and then have to defend a quarterback that can get out on on the perimeter in a blink. Yes. Uh, it's, it's really, really difficult. So the last couple of weeks, you know, these quarterbacks have been mobile. They've been really good throwing the football. And I, I think that really shows up in the rushing yards column. Mm-hmm. You know, there's so much that you have to do to slow play it just to make sure you keep these guys in front of you. And when you slow play, they're just steadily moving the football down the field. When you look at the Rams and the way they've given up rushing yards this year, I mean, your worst games have been against the teams with the mobile quarterbacks. Of course, those two games to the Seahawks were the last one you gave up 273 yards rushing. Then the first one you gave up 190. But then also the Bears now, when we talk about Trubisky, he's maybe the best running quarterback in the league right now with apologies to Russell Wilson, but yeah. they, they, they get 194 yards rushing too. So that I think would be the trend. No doubt. Uh, you know, going back to training camp, we, we tried to dissect what might be the issues for this defense. And we said tight ends. 
Mm-hmm. And, and we stayed on tight ends. Tight ends could be an issue. And I, I, I think tight ends have been an issue. The other thing we should have said that we maybe should have looked a little deeper on was these dual threat quarterbacks with the outside backers that you have. Right. Eventually, you know, when you have Sue, Donald, Brockers in the middle, well, you're going to attack on the outside, especially with a mobile quarterback. Well, outside linebacker has been an issue. Um, I think they fixed part of it, at least the pass rush side with Fowler. But, Mm -hmm. you know, the the issues with stopping the run from there will continue. Um, And I'm not sure there's much you can do if you're Wade Phillips. Uh, it is what it is. Um, maybe some guys just all of a sudden start to play better. Uh, I thought you saw a little bit more out of Samson Ebicom, um, especially after that Monday night performance. You need to see more of that. That yep. guy needs to show up again. Uh, but at some point, you know, especially you got Carson Wentz coming up now, uh, a guy that can do it again if he does play. Yes. Uh, you know, a, a guy that can really hurt you with his legs. Um, I don't think this is going to be a one-trick pony or a one-time phenomenon. I think this is going to be an issue from here on out, from whatever team you play. They're going to try to test you on those edges. No question. And, I mean, you know, you look at the the way the playoff field is shaping up. Look, Drew Brees is not the most mobile quarterback. And no, but they got the other guy play. to run it. Right, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> they've got Kamara. They've got Ingram. They've got yeah. all kinds of people. They've got Taysom Hill. You know, they like all, they know how to do these things where they can run the ball effectively. The Bears, they're in the playoff position. Russell Wilson's in playoff position. Dak Prescott, another guy that can run the ball. So, again, like, yes, like you said, this is a concern, and they've got to be able to do something thing in order to combat it yeah um and it's you know i, I wish it, it's a schematic thing it's something that you can go fix by sitting in meetings um but uh, this might be a cattle prod situation you're gonna it might to, be you're gonna have to up the voltage on the guys that you have to get them to play better um you know the the, the issue against the chicago bears were their defensive ends i thought they played fantastic football they refused to trade one for one they would not be blocked by one guy right and they just made your life hell on the pass. And you could tell they were ready for screens. And they had fast linebackers that can get over the top. So they were forcing you to, to throw the football. So that's the type of performance you need. Now, you don't have Khalil Mack, but you need that same type of intensity on the outside to combat what you're about to see for the rest of the year. Yes. No matter what, regular season or postseason. Yeah. And I think part of that is having Dante Fowler out there for as much as he's been out there. You know, you deactivate Matt Longacre again and it seems like Matt, I don't want to say Matt Longacre's fallen out of favor, but you know what? He clearly does not have the ability, I think, that a Dante Fowler has, and that's why Fowler's starting. It's why they traded for Fowler, and it's why Fowler is out there for as many snaps as he is. So yeah. it's just the way you got to look at it. Man, look, uh, I, I think you're auditioning. I don't care who it is. <laughs> For Fowler? I, no, I don't care who it is on the outside. Oh, okay. You just have to make that position better. You have to make that situation not a situation on your defense. Right. Yeah, so whether it takes lining up Sue there or maybe it takes Wade Phillips and the defense to get a little more creative on the outside, take mm-hmm. some more chances on the outside, maybe bring more pressure on the outside and leave your corners one-on-one. Who knows? Right. Uh, there, there are ways to overcome – you know, outside issues. Whatever you're having issues with, there are ways you can schematically help those areas, but you're going to be sacrificing others. Mm-hmm. Now, can you afford to sacrifice those other areas to cover up what you're doing on the outside? Who knows? We'll see. Yeah, we'll see. And the first chance that the Rams are going to see um, against is the Philadelphia Eagles this weekend. And you mentioned Carson Wentz. And at this point, as we're recording this, and it's now 11.42 a.m. on Wednesday, it seems like Carson Wentz might not be out there, 
based on the reports, you know, now that we've got of this back injury that he has and that apparently sort of flared up earlier in the season and he missed some Wednesday practices. I was reading this um, out of Philadelphia reporters, but then he was, I think he was limited a couple of Wednesdays, but then he never missed a game for it or anything. So now apparently it is bad enough that it could keep him out of this game against the LA Rams on Sunday. We'll see. I keep checking the obits. He's not in there. So, you know, if he's if he's healthy or not healthy, if he's alive, he's going to play. Would you consider him a franchise quarterback? Absolutely. I think you have to, right, at so, this point. So there's pressure on him to play, even yeah. if he misses practice. Yeah. So until they say he's out, until they line up without him, assume he's going to be there. And assume you're going to have the same sort of problems with a healthy Carson Wentz. Is that tough when you you basically have to prepare for two quarterbacks now, right? I mean, be, being that you you got to expect that um, Carson Wentz is going to be out there, but you know that Nick Foles is right there and he's going to be ready to play. Well, I think that's a little overblown. I mean, maybe like Baltimore would be a situation to where you have to prepare for two separate styles of quarterback. Sure. Yeah, I mean, you have one that can run all over the place and one who's a traditional drop-back guy. But, I mean, I I think Nick Foles has proved that he can move the football just as well as Carson Wentz in certain situations when it matters most. When when he wants to play, he's as good as anybody. So, And and I don't think the offense changes as much. Just like back in Chicago, uh, when you were – if you were concerned about Mitch Trubisky not playing, well, if Chase Daniel were lining up under center, it's the same exact offense. Right. Just little tweaks here or there. So it doesn't matter. Um, you're preparing to play against whatever quarterback they throw against you. If you play your technique and your scheme better than theirs, if you win as much as the Bears won up front, it doesn't matter who's back there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it, it, it could be the son of Michael Vick and Joe Montana. It doesn't matter if you're winning <laughs> if you're winning up front. <laughs> The son of Michael. Yeah, I'm just, you know, uh, yeah. The fastest guy in the world and the most cerebral quarterback. I I, I got where you were going with that. (laughs) That was good. Um, If you, did you go back and watch the last year's game against the Eagles at all? Uh, Not, not all of it. Yeah. I I did sort of the same, you know, because it was just, it was one of those games where it goes back and forth, back and forth. And then the Rams really kind of looked like they were in position to win. And especially when Carson Wentz went out with that unfortunate ACL injury and then Nick Foles comes in and then, oh, by the way, they come back and then they win that game anyway. And I think that it was one of the better games of the year last year in the NFL season. And it's it's sort of weird how these two teams are just on different tracks. And, you know, the the NFL is such a year to year league Mm -hmm. that you've got the defending champion Philadelphia Eagles and they've had so many injuries this year that they're really just not the same team that they were in 2017. And that's just the way it is. It was a punishing affair. Um, You know, it was it was one of those, you know, let's see if we can out hit the other. And I mean, they're like they lost their quarterback in that game, but they got the victory. So there's some get back to be had this Sunday. Hmm. Uh, I'm sure that the guys that were here that are on this roster that were here last year, uh, that one left a bad taste in their mouth because oh, they yeah. were they were there. So I don't care, and you probably don't care what they're doing or how they feel about it. Just the laundry itself is enough to get you fired up because the last time it felt to you like the better team didn't win. Mm. And I'm sure they're thinking on the other side, the better team did win. So the only way to prove that is to match them up again. And thank God it's here. Yes. So you have another shot to do it again. So it doesn't matter what happened in Chicago. It doesn't matter if, if Philadelphia won last week. 
if they're back from the dead. It only matters what you do in the Coliseum on Sunday. Right, and that's going to be the biggest thing. I mean, the Rams have done very well at home this year, and their last home game, of course, was that crazy game against Kansas City, which you end up winning 54-51. And after two games on the road where you had to go to two different time zones, you played one early game, you played a Sunday night game, I think there is something to the fact that you're going to be home and you're going to play another primetime game in Los Angeles, which is kind of cool. Two straight primetime games in a row under these lights. There should be some home cooking in this, right? As far as what? As far as getting back to being in that routine of just being at home. Well, the only cooking I care about is Jared Goff cooking. Like playing, like uh, lighten it up. Uh, You are a California boy. You're going to be in Cali or in the sun for pretty much the rest of the year. If you do it right for the rest of the postseason, hopefully. Uh, So I'm looking forward to him righting some wrongs and and reminding people of what you thought about him back in September, October. Mm -hmm. Because those same system quarterbacks, those boo-hoo, I don't like Jared Goff, they're starting to circle again. They are. They are. And the only way to get them off your back and to – Uh, to shoo them away is by touchdown passes. So he's a competitive guy. Uh, I'm looking forward to seeing that same guy on Sunday. It's interesting when you talk about the system quarterback thing because, I don't know, if he truly were a system quarterback, wouldn't he still, like, those passes just still magically be going into people's arms if it were only the system and not the quarterback that has to execute it? Like, the whole conversation, like, it sort of... Well, it's funny. I mean, like, you know, systems and, and, and the definition of system and systems can be broken. And it's not just that guy. It's, you know, if you have guys up front that are constantly just destroying everything, there is no system. <laughs> there isn't. You yeah. know, they're knocking people off routes. They're getting pressure on the quarterback. They're taking away screens. They're, they're being smart. Uh, they're out hitting you. It, it don't matter if you're running the best system in the world. It's just being smashed in totality out right. there. So, you know, whatever. Uh, no matter. Look, Jared Goff. Back in Southern California, you're expecting an MVP-type performance out of him. Uh, the, the, the weather or the, the environment uh, should be a non-factor, which means he should light it up. Yes, and he better light it up. I think this is a, this is a game where we see who the Rams are, right? Because in the Sean McVay era, they have not lost back-to-back games in the regular season. They didn't do it last year, and obviously they've only lost two this year. So if there's ever a time to get back on track, A, it's after a loss, but B, it's when you're coming home and you're playing under the lights Sunday night football once yeah. again, you know? Well, I mean, I agree and disagree on, on one note. I, okay. I know what they are. They're good. It's, it's what they have left is my question. Hmm. Yeah, I mean, and that's everybody down the stretch. This ain't easy. Everybody's beat up. Everybody's beat up right now. So it's what you have left. Um, you know, when you when you get to the last four miles of a marathon, all those guys are hurting. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it's just now it's desire. Can, can I outpace the next guy who I know is hurting as bad as me? Can I take it longer than him? So, you know, you're, you're going to have to go down to the wire against Philadelphia. And pretty much you're going to have to go down to the wire against everybody you play. So it's it's what do you have left from this point? Mm-hmm. Even if you don't win another game from here on out in the regular season, you're still a pretty good football team. You've you're got still 11, in the playoffs. You got eleven wins. You you're are hosting a, good a playoff team. game, exactly. At least. So, so what do you have left from this point? Is what I'm looking for. Right. And the Rams have got to be able to show and prove that both offensively and I think defensively too. Because you know what, they played well defensively, not well enough to win that last one, but. They have to keep ramping things up in terms of the postseason, I, I think. Absolutely. Um, it's funny, man. Uh, I, I can remember just being completely and totally numb physically. 
When? Way back when, um, at this point in the year. And any year. Like in 99? Just, just, just any year. Just any year. I mean, the, the physical is just everybody feels the same way you do. It's just how do you deal with it? Can mm. you overcome it? Can you overcome it for one more snap, one more game, one more month? How did you deal with it? it you, you, you just have to. I mean, it's that guy in front of you. I mean, defeat your man. Um, is this guy going to be better than me on this play? Yes or no? Because if he does, if he beats me, then we lose the game. On every single snap, that's how it's going to be. That's what postseason football is. And we said this last week. Playoffs start now. You're jockeying for position. So just because it's not considered the postseason, well, yeah, every single snap matters now. Yeah. Every every inch you give is an inch they get. And an inch you give, uh, it's it's it takes you that much farther away from winning. When you look at the Eagles, um, and we'll start, I guess, on defense first. You know, besides Fletcher Cox, what stands out to you about that unit? Mm. Well, they're defending champs. Yeah, <laughs> that's number one. Fletcher Cox is always going to be an issue. You know, first and foremost, it's how they run their offense, and if Carson Wentz is playing, because yeah. how many options and and problems he presents. Because he's good enough to beat you from the pocket. He's good enough to beat you in a down-and-dirty, ugly football game, just like you saw in, in Chicago. And he can beat you with his legs. Yeah. He, uh, th- there was a reason that it was Jared Goff and Carson Wentz, one and two, in the draft. No doubt. He, th- he's just as good as Jared Goff. He can beat you just as easily as anybody can in the National Football League. So on that side of the football, it's him. I can care less about the injury report. Okay. On, on the other side of the football, Chris Long is a problem. Yeah. He always is. We we know it. Yeah, and and Fletcher Cox is definitely an issue. But that defensive line, there's so many names on that squad now. I know. Their one too deep is unbelievable. I mean, I don't know how many all pros and pro bowls they have on that defensive line. Yeah. And some of those guys are coming off the bench. Right. Yeah, that that's an issue. They can just roll waves and waves and waves of pass rushers at you. And that's, I mean, obviously, given what happened last week, and I think we'd say the week before, that is probably the Rams' biggest concern, yeah. yes? And and look, they, they're defending champs, and there's multiple. I, are there multiple champions? Or at least there are other champions on the other side of the football, uh, on defense, that, yeah, have well, won, that, that have won before, that have been through this before, that yes. understand this game at the highest level. Um, this is a tough matchup, regardless of record. Yes, regardless of record and regardless of what's been going on the last few weeks. Yeah. And regardless of who's at quarterback, I agree with you, DeMarco. This is this is going to be a tough matchup, and it's one that the Rams have got to be prepared for and they got to yeah. be ready for when they come out on Sunday night. And that crazy wild card Michael Bennett is back again. Yeah, he you is. can't get rid of him. He's like bad luggage. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, well, I think we are at 50 minutes, man. That was a quick 50. Yeah. Um, not fun. I know. Not fun, but... It is what it is. And you have to be honest from this point. Look, for, for people that are jumping ship already, I don't know what to say to you. Mm-hmm. I don't. Um, but it, it, one loss or a loss like that is not enough to say, we'll change everything you're doing. Yeah. I think that's the wrong thing to do. Absolutely. Yeah, just regroup. Get better at what you're doing because what you're doing when you're playing at your best is good enough. So let's hope you bring that game, that sort of attitude and that intensity to the Coliseum. I think you put it better than I ever could have. So with that, (laughs) let's close the show with Between the Horns. Thank you, everybody, so much for listening. For DeMarco Farr, I'm Miles Simmons. We will see you Sunday at the Coliseum. That is a 520 Pacific kickoff. If you're not going to be there, you can catch that game nationally on NBC. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next time.